listening to the Guitar Heroes podcast. And we are back, everybody. Hello. Hello there, Lee Williams. How's it, how's it hanging there? You see, oh, have you, isn't good. it? <laughs> what was that that you said to me earlier on the phone, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I've been in the pub all day. No, what was that? You can't repeat that. You can't repeat it. <laughs> oh. Yes, I am back. I am back from my travels, and uh, I missed you. I missed you guys, and it felt it felt weird to to go a week. I mean, can you believe it's been two weeks since we recorded the last episode? That's it's just crazy. Wow. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. Time weeks. flies, doesn't it? Time flies when you've got nothing to do. Apparently. <laughs> uh, I want no. I'm getting busy now. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Is, is everybody getting busier? Because I don't know about you, I'm getting really quite busy now. Yeah, things are definitely picking up a little bit for me. I literally just mm. had a gig come in today. So did oh. I. Did you? Yeah, I did. I had one <laughs> come in today. Was it at the same time as you had one, Chris? Um, no, it was a little later, actually, for me. Where's your gig from, Phil? Oh. Oh, right. Well, I'm um, I'm, I'm depping in a band, somebody's band. Yeah. Well, hang about, again. hang about. We need to discuss dates here because <laughs> Phil, I need to have a chat with you when we finish this podcast because I had a gig coming today as well, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and um, <laughs> yeah, m- might need some help with it. So yeah, things are things are definitely oh, uh, on the up, aren't they? I was going to say, is it is, is it in is it in Chris's band and Chris has decided not to do it at all and both us two are depping. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I got a call from Chris saying he couldn't make it. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, I said, oh right. Well, what what's it on? Guitar, bass, drums. Well, well which do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to borrow Al's ukulele for this one. <laughs> Is it? Well, oh, it's no. A, oh, it's no. a good sign, I guess. It's a good sign. You're right. Thing things are definitely feeling. Um, Things are feeling more normal. Having said that, they weren't in Wales. They're still a few weeks behind. Oh, in term- well, I don't know. I don't know because I've never been there in terms in in sort of normal times. So we were in the heart of the Brecon Beacons, which is quite a obviously a remote place anyway. And we kind of went there for that for that reason. But it it was it was definitely um, you know still a lot of things closed and just popping out for a pint at the pub was much much more difficult than it would be here so well, but i don't that, i don't know whether that's that's kind of yeah. normal there you know <laughs> well you say that i've got um i've got a good friend who lives in the brecon beacons and um closed is usually about how it is up there right <laughs> i did wonder i did wonder. yeah yeah he, i mean he lives really out in the middle of nowhere he, he, he i remember the first time i ever went to his house i mm. like honestly i thought is, is this a joke or something yeah you know, because it felt like I was driving on this dirt track for for like two days. Yeah, and then he said, "When you get to this farmhouse, then take a left, and then you've got about the same again." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, but he, yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden, his his like farmhouse appeared, and it's like. But wow, that's that's amazing. what is amazing, amazing part of uh, of this yeah. land. It's just just fantastic. But it was blooming cold as well. We were sat there, shiv- you know, it's it's May, <laughs> and compared to last year when we were probably all in the garden drinking. G and T's and you know mm. catching some rays and it's like freezing cold. It's what's going on? What's well, I was following on? your Instagram, yeah. Lee, and uh, some of those photos you took were amazing. So anyone, obviously, we'll do socials at the end, but anyone listening, jump onto Lee's Instagram. Some of those photos you took, man, are absolutely incredible. Did Why you leave the one on there with? Um, did you leave the one on there with the sheep? Ah, ah. <laughs> I sent that. I sent that to you. 
privately, Phil. Oh, sorry. <laughs> one, one for our private collection. <laughs> but to be fair, the, the cliches, the cliches are all true. It's like, like, what did we see a lot of? We saw a lot of valleys and a lot of sheep. But it was amazing. It was amazing. We, uh, yeah, we climbed a few mountains and uh, saw some waterfalls and, yeah. It was it was nice to have our uh, I guess a, a staycation is what it's known as now and I guess that's the norm for the foreseeable so yeah, yeah. actually not for me I've done that for years I've I've, I've not been abroad oh, I can't I can't remember probably 2008 or something was probably the last time I went abroad and mm. um, I do it all the time we I mean I'm a big lover of the New Forest yeah and uh, me and Jay are always going there or we, we were until we we weren't allowed but. Um, yeah, I, I love staycations. I think that it never used to be a thing. You just, you just, you know, you just had a break away, and now it's oh, you're going on a staycation. Yeah. Mm. I think it. I think it is nice. I think I, I've done a few, and and every time I think I should do more of this because you go to these yeah. places and you and you're sort of there, and you think, am I still in the UK? You can sort of get to these <laughs> forests, mountains, whatever, wherever yeah. you may go, and you think, wow, this is this is really amazing. And actually, just a just a few days away, we kept saying just three or four days. When you're there, it feels like you've been away for ages because you're seeing yeah. so much new stuff. It's it, it, just a few days can really kind of refresh you, can't it? And um, mm. give, give yourself yeah. a much needed break at the moment, a, a change. And then from... you turn around and you see all the litter and you go, oh, yes, we are in the UK, aren't we? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, thankfully, Perfect. there wasn't there weren't too much in the in the mountains. No. Good, no. good, good. Is it, there's anything that cracks my conquer, it's litter. Hate litter. <laughs> we got another one, lovely. <laughs> Oh, my, oh, look, can I, before we move on and get on to more serious things as well, I just need to show you guys this. The, I appreciate that this is, it's not really going to work on the podcast, but maybe your reactions will work. So two seconds, because we went away because it was my, my other half, Sophie's birthday. It was a birthday yeah. treat, really. And part of her birthday. Happy birthday, she, Sophie. I didn't, she yeah, received this. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, Lee, put your trousers back on. <laughs> 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 now that is both hilarious and terrifying. <laughs> the amount of times this thing, I've just caught it in the mirror. It's been in the corner of the room and I walk in and just, oh! <laughs> that, just, okay, you you're going to have to explain, but you are going to have to put that on your Instagram now. So everybody listening to this, you've got to go check these Instagram <laughs> out because as well. this is hilarious. <laughs> Oh my word! <laughs> the weird thing about it is, so what I'm holding here, this is a this is like a, a printed cushion in the shape of a man with a guitar, but unfortunately, it's got my face superimposed <laughs> on it. This was a gift from my mother of all people, and uh, it, yeah, it's it's hideous <laughs> to be honest. It's terrifying, and the weirdest thing about it is, if you if you look now, guys, as I move the head, my expression. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> Yeah. And if I go the other way, yeah, you can sort of see. So as I catch it Look, lying in various places around, Lee, put Lynch trousers back on. <laughs> is it du is it double faced? Well, I'm I'm actually I'm shooting off now, guys. I'm going to leave this guy just in the seat, <laughs> and he's going to do the podcast. With it. <laughs> Probably be better conversation than I would. Is, but, is yeah. it is it is it it's double faced? Isn't it, it is double sided. <laughs> I was going to say, Lee, you're two faced. <laughs> I got eyes in the back of my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to see that they've got the guitar the right way round on both sides, though. I am, I am a, a right-handed guitar player. Oh, on look, both it's sides. a squire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it. So, it's yeah. got to go on Instagram, Lee. You've got it because we've we've told our our avid listeners, our 
faithful followers. They well, are going to be I'll find dying out, to see um, that. I'll find out where, which deep dark corner of the internet mum found this and maybe maybe on the merch stand in the new year Phil. <laughs> maybe <laughs> it could, could sell a, merch you could, <laughs> yeah, yeah this is a this is a new crew member but maybe we could have uh, you know buy your band member story guitar heroes merchandise it's mini me anyway, there you go uh, right what yeah. are we talking about today oh do you know i, I, I think oh, i'm done know. now <laughs> yeah, see yeah. I think it was a great episode. See you next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great, yeah. Well well it's it's I think today it was Chris that came up with this subject and I think this is quite an interesting little old subject. Um I can't remember what it was, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting, I forgot it. Ah, <laughs> uh, quality broadcasting uh, as ever. Oh, the guitar yeah. heroes. Can it, any was, apologize? It, was it something to do with guitars? I can't remember. I know hedgehogs win it. I think. I think. I think oh, it was oh, specifically just quickly, booze, really quickly, <laughs> hedgehogs, really quickly. Right, it was Jay's. It was Jay's <laughs> birthday last week as well. Um, birthdays all round, and birthdays all round. Yeah, and um, I bought her a one of those camera traps. You know, like the wildlife cameras, and you, oh, you, you yeah. put it wherever you want, and then it senses movement and, and it picks things up. And we, uh, we we've got all sorts going off in our garden. All sorts going off in our garden. Honestly, it's it's ridiculous. It's like Grand Central Station out there on a night. It's brilliant. <laughs> we, we've had we've had pairs of hedgehogs coming out, which is just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Which is brilliant. With all types of cats going in and out. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, we've had a murder. Oh, there's there's been oh a murder, God, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, not our cat, but a neighbour's cat it decapitated a dove in our back garden. A dove, of a all dove. things, a dove. I, I know it left the bird, but took its head. It, it's Blimey. like it's That's oh, brutal. It, yeah. The most pure and innocent of all animals slaughtered on your back door. Yeah, I know, I know. It's. Um, yeah, so that 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 was that was quite sad, but yeah. So I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing seeing all this on uh, on our camera, but yeah. Anyway, you mentioned dead dogs, so <laughs> I think we need to come up with a new jingle. I think this is becoming a new section. It's like Walker it Watch. Is. What's been happening in Phil's back garden? Walker Watch. <laughs> there we go. I like it. Walker Watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we need something. Don't we? There needs to be a. This uh, is becoming uh, the the hottest section of the show at the moment. <laughs> Walker Watch. <laughs> Walker Watch. <laughs> Sounds quite dramatic. It does. It, but it is. We had a murder in the back garden. It's bloody dramatic. I tell you what, I was stressed out all weekend. <laughs> and oh. the cat's approaching. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes the mice. <laughs> wow. Oh no, oh no, the cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're 10 minutes in, going strong. Oh my goodness! Right, Chris, what so are we talking about? I think the, the message, the message yeah. that we got from Chris earlier was that we were going to talk about hedgehogs, booze, and guitar amplifiers. <laughs> so we've covered yeah. hedgehogs and you wildlife. You can't talk about that. Garden. Is it past the watershed? I've got a lovely Guinness, Chris. What are you yeah. drinking? Some wine, my friend, in a non-wine glass. Port, Phil, port. That's standard. Okay, right. So okay, that's the so first two off the list. So guitar amplifiers. There's lots of slating, isn't there, between um, people who model, you know, use modelling and all things like that, and uh, and, and real lamps. Um? Catwalk. catwalk model. Yeah, I model. shake my little tush on the catwalk. Yeah. 
Um, some people God, have you're to not model. get me up doing that. God, it would be an absolute nightmare. Can you imagine me walking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris, Chris has trouble walking in rehearsals, don't you, Chris? Like, people will see this on the very first show. I really hope they you don't won't. see this on the very first show, Chris. <laughs> no. Hopefully, we've got it sorted by then. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, the modeling and, and guitar amps and. Yes. Obviously, we can't help but model. We, we we do it on the show. There's so many guitar changes. We would need so many amps. It'd be ridiculous. Um, but uh, was it, I think well, I think both of you guys have been in my studio. I've just got this this new amp, and if I'm ever playing, I just plug into the Line Six, yeah, the the, the Helix, stick it through the studio speakers, and usually just play like that if I'm gonna do. Mm. But um, I got a, a new amp, which you guys know a while back. Um, yep. Yeah. And the difference, although you're still plugging into speakers, but having a valve amp next to you, you know, rattling your your socks, it's just it, it it's just so different, isn't it? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it is it so is. it is different. I'm not saying it's better or worse or anything like that, but it's just so different. Over to you. Well, I was going to say, why don't we start with a little bit of context? You know how I like to do this. I like to take it right back to the start, and then we can build some yeah. foundation on where on where to base this conversation. So. Sounds like we're cueing some music. I don't know. We? Well, I have got my notebook here ready ready to go. So if you want to cue the music, then we can do it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, please sit back. Wipe your eyes for the music. What will we learn today in Lessons with Lee? Okay, so I'm going to take you back to really the end of the 1920s, 1930s. This is when we see amplification and guitar amplifiers as we know today becoming a thing uh in the 1920s amplification in general had really been found only in cinemas and there was some pa systems starting to appear but interestingly at the time they could only get the technology to work safely by using batteries so the pa systems that were around were very very big and they had these massive batteries that were required to power them and it wasn't until they developed, I think it was things like the, the capacitors and the, uh, the rectifier tubes that finally allowed them to start using mains power safely uh, and still get a good sound. The amplifiers started to become smaller, but they weren't yet guitar amplifiers. They were still kind of vocal amplifiers used in cinema, theatre, that kind of thing. Uh, 1932, we have the Electro String Company which I believe was tied somehow to Rickenbacker at the time, uh, they released the first amp that was specifically aimed at working with string instrument pickups. And I believe they were sold as kind of like a, a pickup and amp set. This became a thing. So there were no solid body guitars at this time, as you'll know, but acoustic players, uh, lap steel players, they needed a way to compete with the big band sound and, and, and just get their instruments lifted up. So they had kind of been making do by using these PA amps. But when I say PA amps, they really had no, no kind of tone circuitry, no EQ, nothing like we know today, just literally something to make it louder. So anyway, 1932, Electro String Company, they come out with this amp that is aimed at stringed instruments, lap steels, acoustic guitars. You buy the set, slide the pickup under your strings and off you go. And actually, the first recording of an electrically amplified string instrument was in September of 1933. And it was a chap called Milton Brown, and he was featuring the steel guitar player Bob Dunn. So 
1930s, we start seeing this. And it wasn't really until, obviously, Leo came on the scene, late 1940s, 1950, uh, that, that guitar amplifiers really became became a mm-hmm. thing. Other people were experimenting with them. Gibson were dabbling with them. But I think it was Leo's success with everything electric guitar, um, as you would have heard in previous episode when we discussed the Telecaster. That's mm. really when this idea of making the guitar uh, a modern, electrified, loud instrument. And of course, he started to develop his amplifiers. He had his background in radio technology. People have been dabbling in that. And then we started to see the introduction of more typical features that we would recognize today. So tone circuits, um, you know, treble, bass, yeah. reverb. And, and he moved on to things like tremolo and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the very, very beginnings of, of where we begin with guitar amplifiers. Mm. Oh, wow. That's, that's, there's oh, more that to come, but wow. you might have oh. some stuff to add at that stage. That's, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm still taking all that in this. I got really comfortable with that. I was like, watching all right, like well, I'll carry, on, then. I'll carry on. This is great. So, obviously, yeah. Fender in the 50s, they had their tweed amplifiers. These were still very simplistic amplifiers. They, they had volume, tone, no distortion as such, no, no way of, um, of distorting these amps other than just turning them up. That was something that really, I think, happened by accident. It was kind of, as we moved through the 50s and certainly into the early 60s, guitar players were pushing their amplifiers harder. Bands were getting louder. Performances were getting bigger. And they started to discover the kind of pleasing effect of this distortion and uh, and started to kind of use that to a, a creative end. And then we started to see other people getting more involved. And of course... Big Jim Marshall coming in in, uh, I think it was 1962, was it the JTM 45, 1963, mm-hmm. which was essentially a recreation of which Fender amp? Oh, God, is it the, oh. um, is it the Baseman? Correct. It is. I was going to say that, but I thought, no, never. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So over in the States, obviously, you have to remember back in the 50s, much like with the guitars and uh things we've discussed before you know for us over here in the uk where there was an exploding music scene and and the whole blues thing was coming back and there was this separation of equipment that we've seen you know there's stories of of oh sorry i've just knocked something over in the studio um you know uh, is it your wallet um, no that would never have made that much noise for <laughs> <laughs> it's floating yeah. over there by with my plectrums <laughs> <laughs> So the Americans were making all the fantastic product, you, you know, the Fender guitars, the Gibson guitars, uh, and then the Fender amps. But it wasn't the world we live in today. You couldn't just phone up any old guitar store and just go, hey, yeah, I want to buy one of those Fender amps. I want to buy a Strat. It was much harder to come by. And some of the innovation that now we're very grateful for, i.e. Marshall amps, they kind of came about because of a demand in the UK that you just couldn't fulfill. So mm. Jim Marshall and his guys at the shop were were getting asked for things like, hey, can you get me one of those Fender type amps? And instead of going through the rigmarole of trying to order one in, they said, well, we could probably make the same thing over here. And I think it was some of those um, those differences in the actual manufacturing parts that yielded a slightly different sound. And therefore, the mm. kind of Marshall sound was born out of British manufacturing. Yeah. But really, the design for it um, the the inspiration and the, the the original circuitry 
was pretty much just straight up Fender Bassman. Wow. Yeah. There you Blimey. go. And and obviously from there, it got in the hands of Eric Clapton, the Bluesbreaker. Mm. You know, the the Beano album happened, and uh, Distortion, as we know it, was was here. Chuck Berry, obviously, another early kind of pioneer of pushing those tweed amps, those early Fenders, early Gibsons into Distortion. And, um, yeah, as they say, the rest is history, I guess. I find as we get later on now, you kind of notice a lot more handmade amps on the market. Like, it's almost trying to get back to how amps were made back in the 60s and early 70s. I mean, the 60s was probably the most popular era for fender amps i think they really come into their own i think like with the princeton which is yeah. an amp i actually have now um you see amps nowadays trying to go back to you know the hand wired thing because well that's a bit that's a bit like we've discussed with guitars it's a bit the yeah. same as like custom shop guitars it is. we we said in the telecaster episode that the most you know one of the most um popular guitars today is still the telecaster and of course the yeah. strat so I think I think I don't know whether it, it always comes back to me is was the gear that great or is it just that period of music those iconic years where so many great records were made that we we kind of want a piece of that action we want well, a Marshall JTM forty five because such and oh. such played it you know yeah well I could have a rant brewing early I could have oh a go rant. on please please I we could want have a rant, rant. I, I, I think I think I've got a rant here oh, yeah okay just, let's do it let's do it said. go on well, I'm gonna sit back here we go ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> it's that time again <laughs> let's cue the music Phil's rant Phil's rant right if there's one thing that blows my tubes it's this right. Oh, hand so wired so good <laughs> <laughs> it's like we'd rehearsed this but we really haven't it just came to me but thing that right hand wired booty camps mm-hmm. i'm sorry but they might be great in a studio or in a bedroom or anything like that but i've had a little bit of experience with these hand wired booty camps that they don't work I'm sorry they don't work. I, I, right. I, I know someone who's got a hand-wired um, AC30, okay? Mm. He went on a tour. He's also got a Chinese AC30, um, and he took two amps with him on tour, one, the Chinese one as a backup, obviously. So Guess the which one, one just to, started um, and finished the tour? Mm. Hmm? I was going to say the Chinese so again, one. Chris, I presu- uh, just for a bit of context, the, the Chinese one's a PCB board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's as yeah. manufactured as you can get. Yeah. So um, both started the tour. Guess which one finished the tour? The really? the Chinese, you know, six hundred pound or whatever, eight hundred pound or however much it was. The hand wired one, um, I think, was repaired two or three times throughout the tour, and and in the end, he just went, just leave it in the truck. I'm selling it after I get home. And then I'm, and I'm thinking, and I know a few stories like that you know the great of these but they're quite temperamental it's like you know it's it's like i don't know it's like going on a road trip in or you know if you're a lorry driver and taking your fine china teapot with you isn't it it's gonna mm. get broken it just seems so fragile and and well, i don't know that i mean I, that was kind of if we move so we've we've discussed the 50s and the 60s and, and obviously in the 70s we saw the introduction of solid state transistor amps yep. and at, mm. at first they were they were marketed that was an evolution of technology let's let's look at it this way i mean these days what what technology anywhere in the world other than i think a few military applications still uses valve 
vacuum tube technology. It is an ancient thing these days mm. in the world yeah. of iPods and, and iPhones and stuff. So in the 70s, when they introduced transistors, it was seen as that. It was exactly what you're saying, Phil. Was, this is like an upgrade. Mm. Uh, you know, the, the days of doing everything yeah. by hand and, and using lots of glass and valve technology, that's all old hat. But mm. we, I think I think something happened in there as well that we, we adopted that for a while. And then a lot of people went, mm, it kind of kind of just doesn't sound as good but i i hear what you're saying and mm. i think it you're definitely right that it's almost same with guitars almost it's like the more the more expensive and the more hand time that's been invested in building that almost the more delicate they are isn't yeah, it yeah. it's uh, you yeah. know i've got like I've a got real a... high end acoustic yeah they sound yeah. amazing but they are fragile you take the cheapest nasty acoustic it's going to sound like arse but it's you know it's just the neck it's won't work. move. Yeah. Nothing will happen yeah, to it. For sure. It's... Yeah. But for sure. I mean, I mean, without a doubt, you know, those out of those AC thirties, the hand wired ones sounded fantastic. It yeah. was Awesome. I mean, what a sound! Bloody amazing. But it couldn't finish the tour. Right. You know, and 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 you've got to think to yourself. Well, if you're a gigging musician, I I, I get I get I get you know. Um, or do I, I'm trying to be kind. Doctors and lawyers, right? Who who can actually <laughs> go out there, and uh, you know, people who drive Audis and things like yeah. that, yeah. who can go to Absolute Music and go, hmm, I think I love that custom shop strat, and um, what what? Yeah, I love that custom wound, whatever you know, basement the reissue, whatever's in, you know, and so which is fine, you know, and it means that the economy is booming in our world because people are spending money on instruments, but. They're not going to gig it, you know, and it probably wouldn't last if you, they did try gig it. You know, it's it's your it's your your bog it's your blue your blues juniors. You know, it's yeah. not a hand wired thing, is it? But how many bands do you see? You know, it's a valve amp. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but it's just a it's a workhorse type valve amp, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know. What well, I mean? do you, do you think on that note? Do you think that? Because in my mind, it sort of seems easier to accept a mass-produced amp than it does a mass-produced guitar. I don't know whether it's just because mm. the guitar is the more seen as the more iconic of the two, or whether it's probably because the guitar is obviously your point of contact with the whole rig. It's the more tactile of the two. I was going to say exactly so, that. I would say that's where the connection, I think, happens. I, I don't think you can really... I know I can't really hear a big difference between, like, um, uh, like say, my Princeton is a... It's the 68 reissue model, which I mm. bought from Yuli. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, But I can't hear a difference between that and a hand-wired Fender. Like, I, to be honest, I, my ears just can't pick up on it. The, the Princeton I got sounds awesome. The Blues Juniors, I've, had, I've been for about five of them in the, over, the, over the years. And like you said, Phil, they are workhorse amps, and they just mm. sound great. They just sound awesome. I used to have a Blues Junior. The mat, you know, it was it's always flight cased, and you, you know the the amount of times I saw that thing launched out of trucks and and you know smacking into other flight cases. I'm thinking, oh, I really don't want to be here on build up. I can't bear to see all this. Uh, happen, well, my you know? Blues Junior went up on and fire at a gig. Yeah, I yeah, and they still work. The, well, yours probably work. didn't, but <laughs> 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 but I never you know, had a problem with my blues junior, you know, no, at no. all. I mean, I, I got rid of it, um, and oh, here we go. I got rid of it, and I got a Mesa Boogie. And guess what? First gig out, it didn't work. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, no. Yeah, perfect. No. Yeah, so that didn't last long. I got rid of that, I but I really like the sound of it. I just couldn't keep it. In my mind, it does. It does 
something makes sense when you you can sort of imagine an amplifier being easy to easier to mass produce. I guess because there's not that mm. element of you're not going to be touching it, you're not going to be hugging it, you're not going to be going. How does it feel in under the hand when I play it? Mm. To yeah. me, that's where the real hand element of guitar building comes in. You want you want those lovely finished edges, those rolled you know edges on the fretboard, mm. the the fretwork to be fantastic. All of that in my mind oh. still seems very much hand labor whereas uh mm. circuit boards and and you know electronics in general i guess but there's something to be said for making an amp uh, uh, as high quality as it can be i guess i guess it comes down to like simplicity as well because the way i see it is that the more on an amplifier the more channel switching the more effects then that's all things that could go wrong so maybe this if you've got a, a very yeah. simple hand wired amp that's mm. you know just very lean Maybe there's less to go wrong there. Maybe you. Yeah, this this was my problem, yeah. Lee, because I had a I had that I bought a two rock, um, a few years back, a two rock sensor thirty five, I think it was, had uh, all hand wired. Um, it had like um the EQ section all had pull switches on, um the uh, the uh, the effects loop on the back had pull bright switches for it. Had a was valve driven as well. It was so complicated, and I just thought oh, it's just one day. It's just not going to work at a gig. I could never get a good sound out of it either. That's why I traded it for a Princeton, um, which is a... He had the amp for two thing. days, and he's still aren't finished pulling switches out and flicking toggle <laughs> switches and knobs and things. Yeah, It was a complicated so amp, many. was that, Chris? I remember I'm that a, well. <laughs> I, t I had that for two years, that amp, and not once I could get a good sound out of it. I just I wanted it to break mm. up like, like a valve amp would, and it just wouldn't do it. And um, yeah, what I plugged into that Princeton just once... Had them side by side in the PA room, absolutely, didn't I, Lee? And uh, yeah, yeah. Les pulled straight in, and I was like, that's the sound, that's the sound. And it sounded awesome mm. compared to a, the two rock, was um, I think new, they fetch over like two grand now. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. and the Princeton was um, 900, 900 pounds, and I thought that edit for breakfast any day of the week. I think mm. that's I think that's why a lot of those uh, 50s and 60s Fender circuits are still so popular because much like we said on the Telecaster podcast, the Telecaster yeah. is still so popular because it's so simplistic. It doesn't force itself too far down any one genre. No. So, and therefore, it's going to crop up on hundreds and thousands of different festival stages, lots of different genres, lots of different players because you can kind of take it and manipulate it to your own end. Yeah. And that's the same for these amps. I think the more the more you add to an amp, the more you kind of say, right, this is just for this type of player. Almost yeah. in trying to make the, I, I often puzzles me that when you see a new a new brand, uh, a brand launching a new product, and they've said that we've tried to make this as versatile as possible, and they've packed dozens and dozens of features on there, and actually they've done exactly the opposite. Like what yeah. what mm -hmm. is more versatile than one of these simplistic fenders? simplistic marshals you can do so much with them and they're great pedal you know pedal platform amps as well which is which is key nowadays people are using pedals more than mm. ever um to get like you know you could take a princeton into any session if you wanted to do probably not metal but um you know you could go in and do a rock anything from jazz to country to rock you know uh with any pedal going into it mm. you yeah. get the sound that you need and also um the trem and the reverbs on them is lovely as well. Real nice. They're tube driven as well on those Princetons. So. You're listening to the Guitar Heroes podcast. All right. So what do you guys think to this question then? Because this is something that seems to come up in interviews with like guitar heroes all the time. 
and I've heard so many different opinions. Mm. What would you class as more important, spending your money on a great guitar and maybe saving on an amp or spending your money on a great amp and saving on a guitar? What do you think is going to yield you a better sound? Guitar. Guitar. Because if you're not comfortable with what's in your hands, you're not going to be happy, are you? you exactly. Work, you work. And that's, that's where the tone starts, doesn't it, Phil? Exactly. Exactly from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, we've all done gigs where we we've had we've had our amps go down, maybe or or you know whatever you're going through, and, and you might have a, a spare something or other. And but you you get through the gig and and things like that. But if like you've had a main guitar for well for certainly as long many years as I have, and something mm. happens to my guitar ever, not not that it really, not that it has to be honest, but if it did and I had to use a backup guitar for the rest of the night, I'd be a lot less comfortable doing that than what I would, you know, using yeah. a different amp or something. A lot less okay. comfortable. Well, I'm going to be controversial then and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I agree with you from a playing point of view and certainly if you're alert, you know, you're just starting out, then the guitar is the most important thing because like you said, you, you're, you're actually going to play it. If you can't, if it's painful to play, not enjoyable to play, or if it's letting you down from a setup point of view, then it's a non-starter. Mm. But I would, I personally think that actually, in terms of like sound, an amp is going to be more have more of an effect. So look at these two examples. If I was on stage and I played a two hundred pound Squire guitar or bass through an expensive rig, let's just say it's a thousand to two thousand pound amp. Are you talking to I experience that... here, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, and you actually see this quite often. You d you do see you do see that. You know, you might see like a rental backline amp that you know is worth eight hundred quid, like a grand, and and someone's using a cheap guitar through it, and it sounds pretty good. Mm. I would say that that is probably going to yield a better sound than say you've got a three thousand pound custom shop, whatever, and you're plugging it in to a Spider Five. <laughs> four mm. by the three or or you know like uh, some ridiculously cheap i would think that the guitar is going to be so uh kind of tarnished by that amplifier that you're never going to hear the money in the guitar whereas the other rig 200 pound guitar through a two rock or something it's going to sound mm. it's going to sound great you know it's not going to sound as good as the the good guitar with the good amp but it's going to sound Pretty good, you know. I've I've, I've I've kind of been on both sides of that because um, I did a lot of touring in Europe where we could literally only take a guitar and whatever yeah. we could fit in our um, you know hold all bag and pedals. Uh, the, we didn't really have multi effects things or anything like that. We just had what pedals we could put in. Um, mm. uh, but always took always took the old old guitar, you know. Um, and sometimes we had PVs to plug into. Sometimes we had Fenders. Sometimes we had Vox, and and that was never such an issue. But I remember we had to fly to um, uh, Lithuania, and we didn't take the guitars purely because the airline that we were going with was renowned for trashing them. So we hired guitars out there, and oh man, it was so uncomfortable. You know, it was really? so uncomfortable playing. Yeah. I had uh, uh, there's two occasions. One was um, a Strat similar to my to mine, um, similar to my number one. It was um, uh, some sort of reissue 
uh, like mine, um, even the same colour. And then another time, it was it was just crap set up and intonation mm. was out. It was horrible. And then another time was in another strat where it was an ESP strat, and that was just absolute toilet. Not that the guitar's rubbish, but it was just set up rubbish. You know, it, right. it was horrible. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you know, I don't care what I'm plugging into. The guitar has to be right for I, me. I, yeah, you're, you're right. I guess there's two answers to that question because you're absolutely mm. right in terms of putting your putting you in the right headspace and, and feeling right and feeling natural and comfortable on the guitar. It's always going to be the guitar. That's always the more personal of the two items. Yeah. But when it just comes, say, it's just a blind test and you just, mm. you know, which which rig do you like the sound of better? Then I could, I yeah. could you know, certainly just play a £3,000 Les Paul through a 50 quid practice amp and it's going to sound like ass. Whereas I could play a £100 guitar through a £2,000 amp and it's going to be like pretty good. You know what I mean? Mm. Having said that, have Andertons not done that? Probably, uh, uh, probably. Uh, uh, There's probably a video out there for well, you. Well, to be honest, the um, you got the uh, the new Squire Classic Vibe guitars out. I think they've been out for maybe a couple of years now, but they they sound amazing. Those classic vibes and Andertons, in fact, did a, a blind test on this. Um, it might have been Danish Pete in the episode with the captain, and basically they were handed um similar guitars with the same sort of lacquer and same neck profiles and everything. Mm. Uh, one was like a classic vibe. One was a custom shop and stuff. And the one, I think the classic vibe had like a satin neck on the back, so it didn't have the sticky lacquer feel or anything. Yeah. And they were like, "Oh yeah, this is definitely like a custom shop. This feels real nice." <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, they couldn't really tell the difference in the sound. I th- I think um, I think yeah, I, I think maybe at one point they, you could definitely tell the pickup difference and stuff. Sometimes the squires can be kind of I don't know, a bit thin sounding mm. and stuff. Well, but, uh, okay, it is a question. But it's, but it's, it's real close. You, you play, um, you play a classic vibe and a custom shop on the show. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, you see, now that that classic vibe, that's a fantastic guitar, and I know, I mean, I it's, I am comfortable with that guitar. It's been set up well, and I've played it. It wouldn't be my first choice of guitar to play all night, but if I did a blind no. test on two rigs and I plugged that classic vibe into a a lovely '60s Fender amp. That's going to sound incredible. It's going to sound mm. great. Mm. And then if I took my custom shop and I plugged it into some awful, you know, package guitar amp that's 50 quid, it's mm. going to take my lovely guitar and it's going to completely ruin it. So mm. I, I would, the, the amp rig would be, if I had to choose one for the night, I'd probably end up going with the amp rig. Yeah. Uh, but it yeah. is, an in, I think different, you see different players. I, I've, I've heard players over the years that say, you know, that they're, they're really into amps and amps are, more important i guess the takeaway from it is that the whole signal chain you hear eric johnson talk about this all the time and he says he's he's a tone hunter because he's realized that every single part is important and it's the interplay between your guitar and your amp and you're going to get you could have a fantastic amp in terms of its build quality it's uh you know it's it's reputation but it might not marry well with your particular guitar or your particular playing style yeah so i think Certainly when we're talking about these older amps, this, these more traditional valve designs, that is the case. But I want to come full circle back to where you started, Phil. You were saying mm. about us using digital gear on the show. Mm. So maybe mm. we could move, because we had valve technology dominating the 50s, 60s, and certainly most of the 70s. Then we started to get some transistor stuff, some digital stuff started coming in in the 80s. But these days, modeling is a big thing. Yeah. So well, maybe we you- should... Do you know we the the one thing that I always and we get this a lot on the when we do well when we used to 
being the guitar show <laughs> when we used to do meet and greets um we uh, i've countless times people used to come up at the end of the night and say uh, oh why do you keep the amps off stage is it because they're too loud or you know mm -hmm. do you keep the amps off stage and uh, and i go no we don't use amps we we, we use modeling so uh, our audience is a kind of like a blind a blind test aren't they if, yeah. if you know they can't see the amps, they don't necessarily know amps aren't there. But not one person has ever come up and go, "God, those modelers don't sound." They all think it's amplifiers, you know, and they're shocked yeah. when you tell them that it's not. It's true. The thing it's is, true. It, 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 they sound incredible. The thing is, if you mic up an amplifier, the sound is perceived very differently to being yeah. in the room with one. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and an example, I've for tonight's um, podcast, I've I recreated my rig and. My favorite gigging rig with an amp is is real simple. I love my Princeton with a tube screamer, right, and a ch and a tuner as well, and, and and my guitar. That I I've always been real simple with that. Even when I first started, I had a massive Marshall stack. Yeah, a nineteen fifty nine SLP. It was a Paul Kossoff model. Again, all hand wired, but um, I had just one drive going into it. I just I quite like simplicity and uh, yeah. And even with the Helix, I love that it can be so simple on, on digital gear as well. It's all contained into one device. Um, but listen to this. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. arse, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've got a Princeton model on here with a cheap screamer with a bit of spring reverb, which is what you find on the amp. Yeah. And it sounds so close to the real thing. Mm. I think you know, I think the point there, though, Chris, is that uh, what you said about it being a recorded sound. So w what people need to expect when they hear modeled sounds is that you're not trying to... That sound is not the sound of a Princeton sat... In a room. ...a foot away from you in a room. If you no. had a Princeton there in the room right now, it would, would sound, sound very different, different to your ear. Yes. But if you mic'd that Princeton and played it back on the podcast, exactly. the mic'd recorded sound would be would be very, and very Generally, this is what on. people are hearing nowadays. Like, you go and see Journey. Like, Neil Sean has all his amps in a in a diff different room off stage. So what everyone's hearing is his mic'd up amp going through front of house speakers. You know, so uh, and this uh, is generally yeah, what everyone's yeah. hearing. Well, we, uh, we were going to do something with Yamaha uh, before <laughs> COVID hit. Um, and it was basically, you know, a, a bit of a getting people into the headquarters and uh, giving them a bit of a Yamaha experience and a Line 6 experience and that type of thing. Um, and one of the one of the things I was going to do on stage was was say because a lot of people go oh you know if you play your helix through that pa it ain't gonna sound like that vox ac30 there no you're right it isn't and that's exactly what we, we, we were saying isn't it but if i was to put that vox ac30 in the room next door and mic it up yeah you know run it through the same desk it, it's i'm gonna, gonna go right which one's which you you tell me which is which you know, and 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 again, like what I, what I say to people is, when they go to modelling, take all the noise gates off, have it a noisy amp because you don't an AC thirty ain't noisy, uh, isn't isn't quiet. Beg your pardon, yeah. you know, a, a cranked up Fender's not not quiet, a cranked up Marshalls no, definitely not. not quiet. You know, so don't have the noise gates on, just have them as wide open as you can get them, and I I pretty much guarantee people would be sort of head scratching a bit before they made a decision, definitely, yeah, and they'll probably get it wrong as well.
Yeah, and then it comes back to the practical application element. I think we probably covered this in our... We that's did an episode a, that's on the modeling, biggest thing, didn't isn't we? It, but, but for <coughs> us, for, for a lot of working musicians, if you want the flexibility of a few amp sounds in one night, or, or in our case, we need probably dozens of amp sounds in one yeah. night, yeah. Uh, you, you, you just can't, you can't beat it. You cannot beat the fact that you can take one pedal board and it can give you Marshalls, Voxes, Fenders, mm. Boutique, pedals... All sorts, mm. bass rigs. I mean, look, you know, we all we all play bass rigs, guitar rigs, acoustic rigs through one thing, and uh, yeah, the the you know the the haulage <laughs> for the show, if we did it the real way, would be crazy, wouldn't it? it would just be crazy. Yeah. But given the choice of just sitting down and playing through an amp, I think we all agree that it it is still a very enjoyable thing to just plug into an amp, like you say, Phil. There's something oh, yeah. that you get yeah. out of it, but yeah. sometimes the the practical side needs to take over. And uh, and that's where this modeling stuff comes in, doesn't it? It's um, does. yeah, yeah. You amazing. Get, uh, and as you get um, as you as 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 guitar players get older, you know, do do we want to be lugging big amps around? I, sp I speak to a lot of guitar players that you know get rid of their AC thirties or, or certainly stop using them, and you know maybe go down the transistor route. I've known I've known a couple of people that have gone down the line six route and. You know, all because they don't want to be lugging loads of gear around, you know, and uh, and it's a it's a great alternative now. I mean, you know, maybe maybe twenty years ago it wouldn't have been such a great alternative if you didn't want to, you know, carry your heavy AC thirty around. Apart from the transistor amp that probably did sound a bit pants, you know, but technology's just technology's come well, on so much we sound like we used to. <laughs> That's that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? I think technology helps amp manufacturing far more than it does guitars. It seems because in yeah. guitars, still, we we still can't seem to break away from those fifties and sixties designs. They they no. you know they hit the nail on the head and they were the the peak of production. But with with amplifiers and with electronics production, it seems that certainly the modeling stuff. If you look at where it was twenty years ago to now, I mean, look at a Fen look at a Fender Basement or look at a Marshall JTM. The design hasn't changed in like half no. a century no. but look at where we've come in just 10 years of modeling and where it's going to go i always find it amazing to see almost every week every month uh, a new kind of purist player that i've maybe follow on instagram or something has all of a sudden now got one of these on their pedal board or, is, or got a <laughs> kemper or something it's like the, the tick list you're scrubbing that name off right you know they've they've stayed pure and valve and true to the old stuff for as long as they could and now yep right he's gone he's got an hx stomp oh yeah. he's got a kemper it, it is i, I guess know, it's it was testament to how good it, was it is a it was a real hard transition for me you know um i couldn't dive full full you know fully into a helix that you know they're, they're 1200 pounds and not having any experience with digital gear I thought that was quite a quite a big step for me, so I went and got the HX Stomp. Yeah, two yeah. weeks with that HX Stomp, going to wedding gigs without an amp. That Stomp just fits perfectly in your guitar case. Sounds awesome. It's consistent. It's reliable. Um, within two weeks of gigging with it, I was like, I'm buying the full Helix. Mm. <laughs> yeah. On and you know, I I think yeah. That works the other way around as well. Me. People that have got the full Helix then go. Oh, I just want a little fly rig and get the stomp as well, don't they? That's where I'm at at yeah, the moment. I'm yeah, looking at my yeah. board just thinking, oh man, I could just do with just a small <laughs> a small little rig. But I get again, I think it's just horses for courses, isn't it? We all we all play both. We all have amplifiers mm. and modeling gear. Yeah. And it's all just there to help you get the job done. And uh, I don't think any of this sort of like, you know, purist versus modern or I don't play amps, I don't play digital. It's just nonsense really. It's like I think it's all whatever. It's all 
it's all down to the gig you're doing, isn't it? Certain gigs might actually require you to have an amp. You know, they might want that on stage. You know? Yeah, it might be part of the show if it's a, you know, for instance, if it's a sort of throwback show and you've just got what a couple of great guitar sounds for the night. It's quite a, a rootsy type band. Then amazing, an old Fender Marshall or something is gonna, and it's gonna give you the look. People are gonna want to see those amps on stage. I, I, I still find it weird. And I must admit, I don't like, I get why we use it and I get why people use it. But if I go and see a real big band that I know can afford to carry the real thing, yeah. I still do like to see those amps on. I, yeah. It's something about the glowing red lights of a cooking valve Absolutely. amp on stage. Absolutely. That, you know, it's just I remember seeing pre, Whitesnake pre-gig. Uh, 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 is it, I think at Bournemouth, I think, Doug Aldridge, he had like, like three or four Marshall stacks on stage. Whether they were all on, I don't know, but it looked awesome. And the sound was, it was so loud. Like you could feel your chest every time you hit a chord or any note, <laughs> you could feel it. Now, I think yeah. that's the difference with amps. It mo- they move air, even if they're on stage going through, um, you know, the front of house rig, mm. they're still mm. moving air, aren't they? And people in the audience can definitely feel it, especially in the front row. I tell but you what's that's, funny. That's good... um, yeah. Sorry, Lee. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what's funny is that we, um, for a few years, we didn't have any amps on stage at all. And then um, Line Six gave us um, a load of power cabs, and now now we've got amps on stage, and I think we could probably afford to have them a bit louder. I think because we've got a fairly quiet stage, well, apart from Al, who's never bloody quiet, <laughs> is he? But <laughs> love you, Al. <laughs> but um, you know, we, we have our <laughs> we have our power cabs on stage, Sorry? and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like I'm always worried about the volume of it, and I'm thinking, do you know what? We could afford to crank these up a little bit and move a bit yeah. more air on stage, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the, I I'm I've got so used to the silent stage and running in ears that when we do that now, I'm just thinking, oh yeah, but I don't want to affect front of house. I don't want to like. There's something <laughs> nice about when you yeah. get used to it. It is weird. It's weird to transition, and not mm. every gig is going to work like that. But our gig does work very well like mm. it. So when you start to incorporate any more stage sound, you start, you think, well, hang on, what am I losing here? What what am I going to muddy? But coming back to, to your point, Chris, it's, I mean, it, these big amps, these big powerful amps, most of these designs, they, they do come from a time when PA equipment wasn't great. So they were designing these stacks with yeah. sort of PA duties in mind as well. You needed to be the guitar player have great guitar sound, but also kick that out to the audience. As yeah. soon as these amazing PA systems got up to where they are now, and also venues got to the sizes they are, you never really, if you go to a big gig, you're not really hearing backline, are you? So you don't necessarily need 125 decibels from your amp just for the stage, <laughs> do you? Actually, yeah. I went to see yeah. I went to see Winery Dogs um, a few years ago in Bristol, and uh, we, we were... Um, we were uh, at the back, sort of to the to the far right, and I was thinking you can't really hear Richie Cotson's guitar that well. It's you know like what's the engineer doing? I'd be you know. So we went and mm-hmm. walked over near where the desk was, and which was basically in front of Richie Cotson's cabs. And oh my god, you could hear that! Oh, oh really? He had two, um, two uh, Cornford four by twelve Cornford stacks on stage. And right. they they were probably about as loud as they could go, um. So there were virtually nothing in the PA, 
And, and this right. is this is at, um, the, the, the O2 in Bristol. Is it the Academy O2 Academy yeah. in Bristol? I yeah. Think? Yeah. And so you go, you know, you go to where the PA stacks are. You can hardly hear Richie Cotson. You go into the middle, and all you can hear is Richie Cotson. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm like, right, yeah, yeah. So, so nobody's gonna. Who dare tell Richie to turn down? Then no one, by the looks no, of it. No. <laughs> I think it is always going to be that clash of of like getting the job done in terms of the best sound but also we we just can't deny that something something old school and rock and roll i guess it all comes back to hendrix doesn't it and just having that cranked amp and that feedback and and kind of harnessing the power on stage i looked up actually online i thought this was quite an interesting comparison i just looked at like best guitar amps i did some googling as i usually do and i think this kind of sums up where where we are really in uh in terms of amp development so this is all from the guitar world website but they listed the the five most iconic amps of all time as number one can you guess what number one is um i'm gonna say i'm gonna say jcm 800 oh damn you chris i was gonna say that jc is it no they they listed the ac30 the vox ac30 uh, number one. Number two was the Fender 5E3 oh. Tweed. Tweed Deluxe. I'm crap at this game. Number mm. three was the Mesa Boogie Dual Rectifier. Really? Yeah. Okay. Number four, which I've... It's a great amp. I've had one. It was one of the best things I ever owned. It was amazing. And I do regret selling it. Uh, number four, JCM 800. Mm. And number five was the 9059 SLP Marshall. Which I used to own. I sold that for 400 quid. Interestingly so enough, f- not from 1959, from 1965. No. Yeah. Weird. I, it's weird, isn't it? Um, but that that was a loud amp. So oh, 100 watts. They Jesus. Are. Right. So they fast, so fast forward now. Best guitar amps 2021 from the same website. Number one. All right. Let me guess. Let me guess. I'm going to have a guess. Go the PT100, Pete Thorne. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm best. Ah, boss katana. (laughs) Good guess. It's on the list. The katana was in at number three. Number one was the orange micro terror. Ah, right. Okay. (laughs) Which is this tiny, (laughs) tiny one one watt little hybrid valve amp thing. Number two was I don't know if you've seen this. The positive grid spark amp. Ah, my friend. My friend has just bought one. Had a go the other day on one. Yeah. Is it good? Um. Yeah, this is like a Bluetooth re- amp, isn't it? With like yeah, an it's app. really impressive. Um, you have an app on your phone. You can basically dial in your rig, the order in which the pedals sit, and everything. You can choose the amps. And I, 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 I pulled up a uh, Soldano. Mm. Started playing some Clapton on it, like getting that '80s Clapton sound a bit. But it sounded nothing like a Soldano. It sounded amazing. <laughs> oh really? Honestly, it sounded really good. It oh, well. it doesn't it doesn't do any. You can use it as a, a USB device uh, as an interface to record with. But it doesn't have any kind of externals, uh, any outs going to like a PA rig if you wanted to use it live. Mm. Mm. It's I think they have a more expensive version of it, which <clears> I think <throat> is around a, a thousand to twelve hundred pounds. Wow. wow! But it's a ver- for two hundred. It's two hundred pounds, I think, and it's so impressive for what what you get. It's so much bang for buck. Okay, so number three was the Katana, which yeah, to be fair, pretty impressive little solid state amp. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number four, the Humble Blues Junior. Yeah, we've all owned one. Yep, great affordable Fender valve amp. Number five, the Vox AC15. 
So it's just interesting that those, yeah. whether you agree with Guitar World's suggestions or not, interesting to see the change. Clearly, we've moved from iconic, powerful, big valve amps to much, much smaller uh, yeah, even bedroom amp. amps, digital yeah. amps, you know, it, it kind of, I, I think it shows where we've, where we've come on the guitar amp journey. Well, there we go. That's um, that's a really good way of wrapping up the podcast. We've gone from big, powerful amps to tiny little pathetic mothers that nobody wants anymore. Great. Brilliant. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah, dear. there we go. Send us a message. Let us know what you're using. What is your amp or amp type piece of gear of choice? I'll tell you what's uh, funny, as well. What do you prefer? <laughs> yeah, I'll that question you had that question you had earlier, Lee, I think would be a good one to send out to everyone. Guitar or amp, what comes first? What's more important? Yeah. Be interesting. Okay. Be I was going to say that too. What's quite funny is that um, we've kind of all chosen our own amps, and I don't think really. Oh no, I have, but um, we haven't really bought an amp recently. But I have. I've just con- completely messed up what <laughs> I was just about to say. Got, <laughs> but because <laughs> I've had one of these before, and I'm like, eh. but Chris, yeah, you, but that you've, you bought that amp yeah. to sell it. You saw that and thought, oh, yeah. that's a bit of a deal. I'll have that and I'll flog yeah. it. And then you, and then it worked its charm on you and now you can't get rid of it, which you know, I don't I, think a piece of digital gear would do, would it? Something I'm just about looking at it now and it's just such a gorgeous amp. I want to go stick my finger in its jack socket. It's beautiful. Oh, it really is. <laughs> and it but, smells um, good when you fire it up. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so I've got a Music Man amp, um, an RD112 uh, RD, um, which is a hybrid valve amp um the valves yeah. in the power section which is very very fender like chris has got yep. his fender at princeton lee's got his fender blues junior it kind of tells you what sort of we like the fender amps obviously but, don't but we? it's the like same. what i said earlier they're great pedal platform amps you can put any pedal into them and generally they work really well mm. uh, that pedal show on youtube do really good examples of how pedals react with certain different amps yeah like a drive like the tube screamer might not sit as nice in a vox as it does in a yeah. fender um yeah, sure. but well, look, again I think we've Personal sung preference. we've sung Leo's praises enough. Well, we if that's even possible. I don't think you can sing his praises enough, really. So to summarise at this point, fair Lee, play. Kudos you... to that man because look, Matt, exactly. Yeah. Even though mm. there were these guitar amps knocking around in the 30s and 40s, like I said at the start of this episode, it wasn't really until Leo started pushing them out that they became such a popular thing. And then if you think of all the offshoots, everything really comes back to those early Fender designs because we've already said Marshall mm. JTMs, things like Mesa Boogies. Randall Smith, he was developing Fender-type circuit. Even Howard Dumble, the famous Dumble, mm. based around a Fender-type circuit. Yeah. I mean, maybe the Vox AC30, that was the one that broke the mold, and that was yeah. something a little bit different. But, yeah. you know. The point is... What a guy. Leo if Fender. you want to take guitar playing seriously, go double denim. Fender guitar. Fender <laughs> amp. <laughs> And so you and go. On that, note, um, <laughs> on that note, Lee, do the socials. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to find us on Facebook, you can search Phil Walker Guitarist, Lee Williams Guitarist, and Chris Anthony Guitar. On Instagram, it's Phil Walker Guitar, Lee Troy Guitar, and Chris Anthony Guitar. You can search Story Guitar Heroes on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, there's a website, www.storyofguitarheroes.com. And head over to YouTube where you can see some videos of Phil playing some guitar amps and some modeling type gear. It's Phil Walker, guitarist on YouTube. And we are very, very much looking forward to getting every day slightly closer to seeing you back on the road soon. 16th of July. 
16th of July, everybody. Uh, the story of Guitar Heroes is at the Haymarket Theatre in Basingstoke. There we by go. By the time this podcast goes back. out, by the time this podcast goes out, we will be within two months of our first yeah. gig back. Yeah. So see you there. Get your tickets, guys. Haymarket Theatre, Basingstoke, 16th of July. Over and out. See ya. I've forgotten how to play guitar, though.